What's up, what's up? You are now listening to FY Fly the podcast, and I'm your host, Hassan Thomas, along with Remy, and we are here to share tools on how millennials can budget, save, invest, and understand student debt and credit to achieve financial freedom. If you're a high school student, college student, or someone who's interested in gaining more financial insight, this podcast is for you. I'm trying to give me a bag. 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 What's up, what's up, my fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. My name is Hassan Thomas, a.k.a. CEO Sonny, a.k.a. Son Gotti. And y'all know I'm here with my brother, Remy G, a.k.a. Remy Rockefeller. What's up, bro? What's new with the Make a Play clothing line? Man, I'm feeling good. Another day, another dollar. You got a financial problem? Get them FYI Fly Guys a holler, huh? Oh, my fault, my fault. The clothing line should be up and running by the end of next month. I'm just working out a few distribution kinks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That comes with being an entrepreneur. But I know you're going to make your play, Mr. Make a Play. <laughs> well, here at FYI Fly, we like to start off our show with a meaningful quote about money. And y'all know this is a show about financial literacy. And financial literacy at its simplest is understanding not only how to budget your money, but being able to save and grow your money effectively and efficiently. And today my quote comes from James Harrington. Measurement is the first step that leads to control and eventually leads to improvement. If you can't measure something, you can't understand it. If you can't understand it, you can't control it. If you can't control it, you can't improve it. So I chose this quote today because we'll be chopping it up about the importance of business SOPs. And for those who may not know what SOPs stand for, they are standard operating procedures. So we're going to be lacing y'all up on why systems and processes are mandatory for your business, why tracking data is so important, and then we're going to slide into our insightful interview with author, serial entrepreneur, and business coach, Mr. Kyle King. So let's get active. SOPs. If you have a military background, then I'm sure you're familiar with the abbreviation SOP. I didn't know you had a military background. All right, General Sancho. Hey, hey, I don't. I got a business background, baby. What Jay-Z say? I'm not a businessman. I'm a business, man. Huh? Big CEO. Shout out, Jay-Z. For sure. Shout out to one of the GOATs. Gotta get Jay on the show one day, man. Facts. But what's up with those SOPs, CEO? Yeah, so standard operations in a business is mandatory, non-negotiable. It's the reason why McDonald's can build and set up shop in any state, any country, literally anywhere and still run like a well-oiled machine. And this is because they have their systems and processes in order. So the formal definition is this. A business process is a coordinated set of activities that are set in place to achieve a common goal. You know, coming from a football background, I like to think of it as like a playbook. Some like the Patriots and Bill Belichick's playbook. I don't care who's in their QB. I don't care who's the shift manager. You're going to run this play and get that ball out to that receiver in less than two seconds. Hey, that's facts, G. And that shift manager going to dip them fries in that grease and tell everyone that the ice cream machine ain't working. And if you can't do that, they'll find someone else who can. For sure. That is what Queen B said, huh? Oh, me. What she say? Don't you think you're irreplaceable? Hey, to the left, to the left. Everything you own in the box to the left. Hey, chill out, son. Chill out, son. But I was thinking, bro, another example of business process could be an airport. Why you say that, G? Think about it, my boy. We said a business process was a set of activities that are set in place to achieve a common goal. So with that being said, when you go to the airport, you don't just pull up and hop on the plane. You have to go through steps and procedures. The airline steps and procedures. You know, you got to check in, check your luggage, and go through TSA and all that. Yeah, that does make sense, bro, because the common goal there is that flight. And we have to follow those steps and procedures set by the airline to get on that flight. That was a good example, bro. But we chopped it up about the process. What about the systems? So I heard this good quote from Michael Gerber. 
Gerber? Hold on. <laughs> like Gerber babies? <laughs> nah, bro. He's an author. But he said that you organize around business functions, not people. Let systems run the business and people run the systems because people come and go. But systems, they remain the same, baby. Oh, yeah. That's hard. Facts. So a system is very similar to a process, and a lot of people interchange them a lot. But what separates a system from a process is that systems are more focused on unifying multiple processes into one system. Oh, okay, bro. Okay, bro. That makes sense. So the business processes are what's needed in order to have a business system set in place. Exactly. The systems are your what. Like what you're providing or solving for your customer. And the processes are the how. How are you delivering that value? Appreciate you breaking that down with the elegance, brother. For sure, simplified that for our folks listening. So one benefit of implementing systems and processes is that it allows your business to identify and cut down on inefficiencies. So with the well-set system in place, you know what needs to be done and how long it takes. Yeah, that's key, bro. But not only do systems and processes save your business time and money, it actually saves you, the CEO time. By having the processes in order, you can learn how to automate and delegate, baby. No cap. Because with that free time, now you can work on your business and not work in it. Now, if that last part was a little confusing, what he means is now you can work on growing your business and not being stuck doing daily operational tasks that just keep your business afloat. Yeah, as a CEO, you got to always be thinking of moving forward. If you're stuck on the right now, your competition will definitely wipe you out. You know, just from studying and keeping up with companies and things, bro, business is really about whoever can provide the most value and the most convenience in the quickest way possible. Facts. You know, like when you see one company doing something and their competitor backdoors and does the exact same thing. Exactly. Just like Apple and Spotify, bro. Apple actually announced that they were going to start allowing podcasters to charge a monthly subscription for people to listen if they wanted. Literally like two days later, Spotify did the same thing, which was some pretty big news. So to combat that, bro, what Apple did was they decided to change their pricing structure so that creators get to keep more of their streaming revenue. Makes sense. Providing that value to the consumer like we talked about earlier. Facts. But back to those systems and processes, you can't just have only systems and processes in place to help your business grow. You also have to have SAPs. Now, I'm going to just say SAPs because I'm tired of saying systems and processes. But you got to have SAPs to track the company's growth as well, because whatever you track grows. Tracking data is so essential in a business because it allows you to understand what's working and what's not. I just pictured it like this, bro. You could think of a business as like uh, a growing baby. Yeah, that's perfect. The baby is like our entire system, and our brain, bones, organs, and all that are the processes that are trying to accomplish one goal, which is to grow. Yeah, so just like you want a baby to grow, it should be the same thing for your business. If your business is not growing right, you got to figure out what the issue is. Nah, your child ain't growing? Man, you better get that little baby some medical help. Nah, for real, bro. But if something is wrong with your system, then you need to be checking all your processes in your organization. Because having one process not working properly can throw off your whole system. No cap. But hey, son, what do you think is another reason it's good to track data? I say once you have a set and reliable SAP, the benefit of tracking data would be being able to recognize some of the patterns in your business. Like if your data proves that your company always does better in the summer, then that gives you the upper hand. Knowing that, okay, I need to hire more people in the summer because we are doing more business during this season. That even helps with your future projections because based on your data... Now you'll be able to project future goals, trends in the market, and things of that nature. It really helps you and your company be proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, bro. Those projections are important. I was meeting with a potential investor in FYI Fly, and he asked me for my one, five, and ten-year projections. See, I had my one year, but my five and ten, <laughs> I wasn't too prepared for those. But it's all a learning experience. Huh, CEO? Big facts. 
Now we're going to take a quick break and slide to our insightful interview with author and serial entrepreneur, Mr. Kyle King. Let's go. What's up, what's up, my fly folks out there? How y'all doing? I hope y'all doing all right. And today we are speaking with author and serial entrepreneur, Mr. Kyle King. How you doing, boss? Man, I'm feeling amazing, brother. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good, man. Blessed to have you here. Man, I appreciate it. I, I am thankful that FYI Fly Podcast brought me on. I'm super excited to speak to the audience today. Y'all, y'all get y'all's pens and papers ready. Y'all, yes, y'all get sir. them ready because we we about to we about to definitely bring some heat right now. Oh yeah, we about to tap in right now. <laughs> nothing but gems, nothing but value, man. So before we get into that, tell us a little more about you, your background, and how you started your businesses. For sure. So Kyle King, you know, I am a father, man. I'm a father. I'm a man of God. I have a five-year-old, everything that I that I do everything for. You know, I'm just like everybody else, to be completely honest. I just execute differently. I'm trying to continue to figure out this entrepreneurial game. I've been successful enough to build multiple six-figure organizations. I've dropped seven books, you know, and I've been able to impact a lot of people, thousands of people to date. I think 30,000 uh, people to date. You know, my first company I built when I was in college as a sophomore in college division one track athlete so that right there showed me that it was possible you know as a student uh, Mm -hmm. athlete and still being a business owner but then i I failed in business early on because i didn't have the systems in place and we're going to talk about that today right but through that i was able to invest in myself continue to prevail and now we've been able to build an empire where we're helping people craft their stories publish their stories and make money online with being able to publish their stories as well and I've done all of this before 30 years old. I'm still 28. So anybody out there that's young, anybody out there that is older, you can still be able to make it happen. You can still be able to make it happen if you remain committed, if you remain, you know, if you continue to persevere and you continue to keep your faith. I truly believe that you could do whatever it is that God has in store for you to do. Big facts. Big facts. So you said you while you were in college and I know you went to uh, Alabama A&M, correct? Yes, sir. Man, shout out to all the HBCUs out there. (laughs) So how how would you say your college experience shaped you for what you're doing today? And it definitely made me into the man that I am today. I have nothing but positive things to say about my HBCU. You know, growing up as a suburban kid in a two-parent home, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't have the um, stereotypical single-parent home story, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that HBCU taught me how to be black. And they taught me about a lot of the different struggles that me as an African-American male here in America have to struggle with, but also Mm -hmm. how to not only assimilate to the cultures, this westernized way of thinking, but also how to excel within these systems. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to leverage a lot of the the knowledge, the wisdom, the strategies and the techniques that A&M has told me to being able to move in business rooms, move in in a multitude of spaces at a young age because of my training and because of the support that I was able to receive from an HBCU. And interestingly, my first school was a PWI and I was Mm. an athlete and, you know, transferred schools and got a completely different experience because I was just a number at a PWI and I was the number at an HBCU. I was the name, you know what I mean? So I think anybody out there that is somebody that wants that support, that wants that love, that wants that development, that true growth and nourishment, I truly recommend HBCU education. Okay, okay. So, man, let's jump right into this to this business <laughs> sure. talk, this bag talk, man. You know, when we were chopping it up a little earlier, you said one of your biggest mistakes was not fully understanding, you know, the systems and processes when it comes to business. So tell us why that, that's so important. 
For sure. You know, if, if you think about it, a lot of people, a lot of people that are in entrepreneurship are not optimized for the level of it. They're not. <laughs> They're not. They want more clients. They want more business. They want more revenue. They want all of these different things, but they don't really recognize what are you going to do when you get these things? What are you going to do when you start making more money? What are you going to do when you start getting more clients? What are you going to do when you start having to hire more people? Right. Mm -hmm. And if you if you don't understand or have processes in place, then you can't bring adequate and expert personnel. You can't then implement systems to continue to power up your business. You can't. So one thing that I've had to learn over time and one thing that I teach people all the time as well mm -hmm. is that. If you don't have your your CRMs, your cl client relationship management tools, if you don't have an email marketing system that can work for you instead of just managing your Gmail or your Yahoo by yourself, if you don't have an onboarding process that your employees will come on to, if you don't have certain key components in your business, you're going to mm -hmm. drive your business into the ground or you're not going to truly be able to scale your business. And what I mean by that, if you can't sell your business, you can't scale your business. If okay. Google or Microsoft or Apple or one of these major corporations came to you right now and was like, all right, I want to give you $3 million and take your company. And you're going to be like, oh, heck yeah, yeah, definitely. But then they're like, I need to see your processes and your systems. And you're like, well, I've been managing everything. I've been going hard managing everything on Gmail or like I'm doing all the trainings. Like, hell no, they're not going to buy your <laughs> business. <laughs> mm. Businesses don't buy businesses. They buy systems. You know mm. why McDonald's is still the number one restaurant in retail? You know why that is? It's because they have a system that works. You know why mm. people keep coming back to Chick-fil-A and it's the same chicken that Zaxby's has and Popeye's has the same. Yeah. It's the system that works. So systems allow you to scale. When we stop trying to think about how can I be dope in Atlanta or dope in Jersey or dope in Charlotte and mm. think about a business model that I can systemize and I can do it in in Europe or I can do it in Saudi Arabia or I can do it in Germany that's mm. real business I'm not just I'm not just Charlotte rich yeah. I'm global so how can you create a system that you can literally sell and that's what I that's what I teach man I love it bro. So, <laughs> so so correct me if I'm wrong bro you made six figures in just the last half of last year right yeah so funny story man i was in education last year so i was i was killing it as an entrepreneur then one 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 thing that i learned is that i lost my creativity i lost mm. my creativity so i went back into education as a as an administrator so i was the youngest administrator at a whole ch uh, district of charter schools here in north carolina i'm mm. at 27 years old and i was pretty much running my home own school and the reality of of it was is that i couldn't create and i needed to be back into like the scene where it was happening. So I started yeah. to look at the problems in schools, the problems with students, the problems with teachers, all these different things, then rolled out conferences and then more books and all these different things so I could stay close to the action. Mm -hmm. What I realized is that through COVID, one thing that I loved about education was the ability to impact. One thing that I hated about education was the bureaucracy and red tape that hurt my ability to impact. So mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, I needed to step out and then capture student stories, parent stories, teacher stories, and then tell these stories th so that we can see more equitable spaces in our educational systems for our students. Yo, mm -hmm. we were literally at a time where we were worried about curriculum and kids weren't eating. We were worried about you know students having laptops 
And then families were being evicted from their homes. So as an educator, as a human being, right, as Mm -hmm. a human being, there were bigger problems that I wanted to be able to solve. And as an entrepreneur, one thing that I've realized is that the size of the paycheck that you receive will Mm -hmm. be the size of the problem that you are actually solving. So then we started to capture educator stories. I taught them how to write books, and then they started making five, ten thousand dollars Mind you, these mm-hmm. educators are making $2,000 a month, and I taught them a strategy to make three, three monthly salaries in one month as an entrepreneur just using their skill. So yeah. then we started really scaling it, built a system, brought on the right personnel, and you know we were able to generate 156 in six months. That's great. But I want to touch on something, though. How were you able to solve those problems, like you said, just from, you know, the school matter of, you know, the students not eating, students not having, you know, what they need? How were you able to solve some of those problems? That's a great question. So listening, listening. Mm. And I, I, and I say that in pause so that people can really just listen to what I'm saying. Right. So mm. I think a lot of times we have a lot of things to say. We always have strategies. We think we know everything, but we don't. We really don't. If we really listen to kids and ask them what they need and what they want, if we really mm-hmm. listen to teachers and ask them what they need and what we want, if we really listen to our clients or listen to our spouse or listen to people, mm-hmm. I guarantee that you will actually get all of the answers and all of the solutions that you want. The problem is that people think they're smarter than what they really are. They have education. They may have read some books. They may have saw some things on YouTube. But the reality of it is, is that you are only as smart as you allow yourself to learn. Mm. I'm going to say that again. You are only as smart as you allow yourself to learn. So what I did is I, look, I was going to kids and I was like, what do you guys need? We need more engagement in our classroom. What does that look like, though? Well, we want to see guest speakers. We don't believe that our teachers can help us become successful because we don't want to be teachers. And they look like that every day. If you're Mm. coming to school driving a beat down Toyota Corolla, why the hell am I going to listen to you? <laughs> that, yeah. Like, why? You know, if I'm wearing the same, if I have to be told to wear the same outfit every single day and I don't have money to go, you know, look swaggy, like, you see what I have on right now? Like, that's what it is, you know, moving forward. I'm coming to school as, like, what these kids are going to relate to. So yeah. now they can be able to receive what I'm communicating to them. If I pull up in a brand new whip, that's inspiring to these children. So I needed to understand and listen to what the kids wanted. Then teachers, just, they just wanted to be heard. They mm-hmm. wanted to make more money. They just wanted to feel valued. They just wanted more you know, autonomy to be able to share their voices without getting fired or removed from their position. So I was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're mm-hmm. going to partner these kids up with nonprofit organizations, or I'm going to bring in all of my entrepreneurial friends to speak to these kids. What also we're going to do is we're going to partner up with the local grocery stores and then provide these students with food for their home so now their parents don't have to worry about that. Then we're going to partner up with educational or, excuse me, technology companies and then be able to get them actual one-to-one resources in regards to laptops and tablets, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to help teachers get money (laughs) because that's what it is. And I'm not just going to help them get money. I'm going to partner up their ability to communicate their voice, their ability to teach, and then I'm going to help them publish books. So now they have the opportunity of being a published you know, teacher, which is important. Now mm. they have the opportunity of creating a revenue stream. Now they have the opportunity of going into a school and talking to their students that I'm not just a teacher, I'm an author. I'm not just an author, I'm an entrepreneur. So now yeah. it's immediate authority and credibility with our teachers. So now it attracts more engagement. And now we have a system that's successful. So man, we cannot forget to tap in <laughs> and talk about 
you know, your global partnership with not only, you know, the school systems here, but also the school systems in the UK. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's huge, bro. So tell us, you know, why that initiative was so important for you to embark on. Because I don't like one thing with me, I never wanted to just be um, an American entrepreneur. Right. Mm. I truly believe any business that I look up to, they're everywhere. Right. Yeah. I've, I've had the opportunity, you know, growing up, I had parents that, you know, allowed me to tra travel with them. So when mm. we were when we would go to, you know, the Dominican Republic or when we would go to the Caribbean or Europe or all these different places, you know mm. what I recognized? I didn't just see American companies, but I saw flagship American companies. I yeah. saw McDonald's over there. I saw Bur like I saw certain companies that like, oh, like I can relate to this. Yeah. And why that really inspired me and it inspired me to show me that it's possible to not just have a company that's here locally. Mm. I didn't want to just be the, no, the local nonprofit and then I fly to California and then it's like, who is this guy? No, I yeah. saw that happening and I wanted to be able to do that. And I wanted to show the kid in the Title I school that's from the East End in Charlotte that mm doesn't have a father or maybe didn't have a mother or didn't have opportunities that it's possible for you to do a study or an exchange program in Europe where you mm. don't understand these kids, where their 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 whole environment is different and everything is different, but I'm gonna get you out the country. Mm. I'm gonna show you another part of the world because you know that going to the mall 20 minutes down the street, that's not traveling, that's not opportunity. So I wanted to be able to expose my students to like really real world application and that there's yeah. so much of a bigger world than North Carolina. There's so much of, of a bigger world than Atlanta. And I mm -hmm. wanted to be able to bridge two worlds together so that I could show my students and create possibilities. And that's all it is. And that's actually one of the main goals for, you know, what I'm doing with my personal finance resources and things. We want to make sure every school, not just in the nation, not just in our nation, but internationally, that every school is required to take one of these personal finance classes. So can you tell my audience why is so why is financial literacy so important to have in these school systems today? Because financial literacy is a language that America operates in. I feel like we operate in the language of economics, right, in the world, mm. and not even just here in America. Yeah. Like if we don't understand the importance, like if we don't understand the importance of the valuation of our homes and how um, our credit affects that and how school right. systems affects the overall evaluation in the neighborhood or why we can't just build that building right there because of zoning and then the importance of developers, how every like literally we live in an ecosystem. And it's mm. so interesting how we learn about cellular ecosystem in our science class, but we yeah. don't learn about the economic ecosystem within our social studies classes, right? Or yeah. within our financial classes that we should be teaching our students. So why this is so important is because everything is connected. Everything. We're so quick to raise our hands for the stimulus check, but you need to understand how the stimulus check is going to like exacerbate the problems economically within our communities in mm. regards to finances as well and taxes and all these different things. We are up in arms about Donald Trump not paying his taxes, but we really don't understand how we can leverage literally the same tax system legally to get mm. out of t paying taxes, generating more revenue, and then being able to open a nonprofit that we can sponsor so that we don't have to then even pay our taxes. So there's so many different ways to being able to do a lot of things. And if we don't understand economics, if we don't understand budgeting, if we don't understand the importance of credit and the power that it has in the homes that you live in, the cars that you drive, 
the, the neighborhood that your kid goes to school to, all of that is money-based, it's economics. So mm -hmm. why financial literacy is, is, is so important is because I honestly believe that we should teach financial literacy before we teach our kids numbers and ABCs. Because yeah. if we can teach them that, then it makes more sense on the ABCs of entrepreneurship or how these numbers mm -hmm. all work together to be a, being able to develop wealth strategies, tax strategies, or just being able to move as a part of life as well. So what would you say are some of the effects of graduating high school financially illiterate? That's a great question. So I've, I've been afforded to have multiple high school students live with me. You know, I, I saw them as not being able to have the best opportunities at their home. So I allowed them to live with me and I taught them the game. Yeah. And when you graduate high school with no sense of financial literacy, Mm. It, 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 it's, it's, it hurts you. It hurts you in life. It hurts you in, I feel like it cripples you in your ability to see the world from a different lens, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that and kind of just digging deeper in that is that you don't really understand, like if you don't want to go to college, you don't understand how colleges are priced. You don't mm. understand how loans really work. You don't understand how your refund check really works if you're going to college. You don't understand interest rates if you actually take out that loan and how that really will be expon exponentially more money in the mm. future. You don't understand if you don't go to college, you know, how your, your paycheck is really, you, you say you make 3000 but do you really bring that home? And then how much are you going to lose at the end of the year if you're not filing right on your taxes? Yeah. So you don't know like the importance of your credit. So now you can't really live in a nice apartment because you don't have the revenue to being able to live in the nice place. So we have mm -hmm. all of these visions in our head of these lifestyles that we want, but we're not really educated on what it takes to being able to live that lifestyle. So mm -hmm. until we're actually effectively educated within what it takes to live that lifestyle, we're literally just going to be ignorant to the opportunities that are afforded to us, mm. but we can't get those opportunities because we were never educated on them. And that's what I feel like financial literacy brings. You know, I feel like it brings the financial freedom. I feel like it brings, you know, the opportunities. When you don't understand money, your your lim your options, your choices are limited. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I agree. I, I, so I definitely, you know, feel that 100 percent. But I, I remember you said something about a nonprofit and I wanted to run that by you because <laughs> I remember when we talked last month. You said I could ask you anything I wanted. Nah, you do it, bro. Do it. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm going to hold you to it. So I've actually been considering starting a nonprofit for my financial resources, you know, trying to get them implemented into schools and things. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the differences between an LLC and a nonprofit just from a general aspect. Yeah, so my first business was a nonprofit organization in college. And, you know, the biggest difference is, you know, obviously how it's set up tax wise mm -hmm. and then in regards to the ownership of the business as well. So let's talk about LLC first. So LLC is a limited liability company. And a lot of times people, I'm not necessarily sure of the right terminology, but they, you can get taxed as an S Corp. And then there are certain tax advantages with filing as an S Corp versus mm -hmm. an LLC as well. So usually with an LLC, a dual member LLC is that there's two owners, a single member LLC is that there's one owner. So what that really means is that I'm the sole heir of the throne, right? I'm mm -hmm. making all the decisions. When I go to the bank and open accounts or close accounts, I can do it without anybody else's signature and I can move money accordingly, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like your standard business operations first and foremost is your LLC. 
Now, when you think about taxes, obviously you're going to have to pay your quarterly reports. You're going to have to pay your annual annual tax returns as well. But LLCs are taxed differently than S-Corps. Now, getting into how all of that works, I'll bring on a tax lawyer for you. I could recommend you because <laughs> I have somebody that handles that. And then that's where we get into the accounting and everything as well. Mm. Nonprofits, though. Let's talk about that because I yes, can talk sir. about that for days. So nonprofit organizations, obviously, you have to have a board of directors. So, so, that's, so that's a necessity. No, that's a necessity. You will not have a nonprofit without a board. And usually, obviously, it's an odd number of members because if there's a decision that needs to be made, then mm. and if you have a, you know voting, then you're going to have to get a board so that you will always have a majority vote, right? Okay. So where a lot of people make the mistake is because they don't select board members that actually have the best interest of the business or the best interest in regards to the founder of the actual organization. So mm. I've seen times where the executive um, director of the nonprofit or the founder, the person that created the idea, literally the person that created the idea is mm. removed because the ideologies don't align with what the board wants. Removed from their own creation? Yes. <laughs> yes. And that, I've seen wild. it happen. I've seen it happen multiple times. And that's what we have to kind of be mindful of as well. Now, mm. in regards to nonprofit organizations, you can mm. only take so much money in regards to what the owners or what the people that are working for the business, you can only take so much money, right? It's like with the LLC, I could pay myself $30,000. Like yeah. there's no cap really to a, a for-profit business. Not-for-profit business is just what it means. It's not really for-profit. So a lot of what you're doing is for the community so it's not like i can be selling products and services and running online courses and all these different things no how your business structure is set up how mm. maybe your board of directors or members have to pay members dues it's a lot of language barriers is a lot of different things legally that you cannot do and that you have to do mm. as a nonprofit. and i just didn't have time to be trying to figure out all these legalities and all of these all of this red tape and i have to get approval to use the money that I brought into the business through a board. I just didn't want to do that. So I created LLCs and S-Corps so that I could be able to run my business accordingly on what I believe is best. Yeah, that's what I have as well as an S-Corp. So I know mm -hmm. with the S-Corp, you're not double taxed, correct? Mm -hmm. That's the benefit? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, most of <laughs> so I, I have my S-Corp as well. <laughs> so man, talk to us a little more about your blueprint conferences. You know, how do you help people trade in the life that they want or never knew they had for the life that they want? That's a great question. So when I was in education, like I was talking about earlier, I recognized that teachers were underpaid, under-equipped, under-trained, and just undervalued. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to create three, three like major streams. I wanted to teach them about real estate. I wanted to teach them about financial literacy. And then I wanted to teach them about mental health and awareness. I wanted them to learn who they are inside themselves and what makes them amazing because better people are able to produce in classrooms, hands mm. down. If you are feeling, if you are at 0% or 10%, but you're trying to give a hundred percent of a lesson to students, it's mm. just not going to work. So a lot of our teachers were depleted and the students are feeling that when they're actually in class. So I wanted to get them right first internally. Once they're right internally, internally, then I wanted to teach them about entrepreneurship, how to leverage their money, how to turn their money into more money, because a lot of teachers are underpaid. All teachers are underpaid across the board. Mm. So I wanted to teach them how to use your gift to make more revenue. 
Then I wanted to teach them how to get into real estate because real estate, as we know it, it's the, you know, number one cash, you know, vehicle, the wealth yeah. vehicle, you know, in the world. And it'll always be because no more real estate is going to be created unless like somebody got magic powers or something. Mm. So when we think about it, I wanted to be, I was on a mission to put a hundred educators in a hundred homes and mm. then COVID happened. So the goal of next year is or the end of this year and then moving into 2022 is mm. to being able to put a hundred educators into a hundred homes and not like actually not townhomes, like single family homes. So I wanted mm. to be able to pay for their down payment, actually take care of everything and then being able to put them into homes. Bro, that's amazing. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> amazing, sure. bro. For real. So I was, you know, you know, I was doing my research over you, bro. You know, I seen that one of your posts said a lot of people say you need better strategies, but what's needed is better relationships. So I, I thought that was tough, bro. So can you elaborate on that for us a little bit? For sure. For sure. Everybody has the how do I do it strategy. Everybody wants more methodologies, techniques. They want more of the how. How can I do this, Kyle? And then it's not how, but it's who. Right. Mm. If if we're getting ready to rob a bank, I'm not going to ask you how are we going to do it? I'm going to ask you who's coming with us. Because who's coming with us is going to determine what, if how we have this plan is actually going to happen. So mm. if we think about who do we need to rob a bank, we need a driver, we need somebody that understands technology, we need the mastermind, somebody can move through the bank, we need an inside job, we need somebody that is already in the bank, probably. Yeah. And then we need a muscle, we need somebody like if it goes crazy, it, it we it's going down, that's the person, right? So mm -hmm. when you think about those different people, those four components, right? Those people are critical, absolutely critical in what? In mission success. Yeah. So if you don't have one of those pieces, then you may not, you may run into something and now you increase your ability to see a risk in this mission being a failed mission. So when you mm -hmm. think about those four people, a driver, who's going to be that person that can drive you and can keep you motivated, keep you inspired? Who's going to be the muscle, the person that protects you from a lot of the noise, the person that pushes you, the person that keeps you away from certain things that just doesn't are, are not for you? Who is yeah. the person that understands the inner working of systems? Right. And the inner working, they've already been there. They've already seen it. They've already had the exposure or the experiences. And then who's the technology person? And, and that person in life is the systems person. That person literally is able to put systems in place. That's the process. That's the thinker. That's the person mm. that you can call like, look, I'm going to jam. I need you to help me. Okay, this is what you should do. Boom, 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 boom. It's not about the process. It's about your ability to execute with the people. So if mm. we, if I know you're the financial literacy guy, so let's take it to real estate. If yeah. I have a home that's priced at $250,000 in a poor neighborhood, if I took that same home, that same home, and I put $50,000 into the kitchen, bathrooms, all of that, that price will still be $250,000 on at home because of the valuation in the neighborhood, right? Mm. Yep. If I took that same $250,000 home with the $50,000 upgrades and I put that into an affluent neighborhood, that'd be a half a million dollar house. You know why? Exactly. Because environment is more important than all of the other crap. Environment mm. is the who, not the how. Makes sense. So relationships are more important than the strategies. Okay, okay. So keep that in mind because my next question <laughs> my next question is a good one. So tell us, you know, what do you feel is more is more important, that networking or mentorship? Because I know you have some great mentors. You know, I know you're a mentor to other people as well. So let me hear your thoughts on that. 
I think mentorship is hands down more more really? more effective. Yes, definitely. Okay, talk to um, networking. In my opinion, is your ability to meet people. Mentorship is your ability to be grown by a person, and for your ability to grow another person. Okay. <laughs> mentorship. Yes, mentors, sir. This is new, right? Mentor. I've never been asked this one. So mentorship uh, is your ability to be grown by a person or to grow another person. So what mm. that is saying is that I know what I'm doing enough to be able to get this person to where I'm at and for them to be able to surpass where I'm at. Mm. Mentorship, for me, if I'm getting mentored by somebody, that is a direct, literally strategy to get to success. Versus yeah. networking is just we out here trying to meet a whole bunch of people. I'm not trying to network. I'm trying to get mentors and I'm trying to get mentees so that these mentees can be able to prove the results that I get from my mentor. That's hot. <laughs> yeah, that's hot. <laughs> For sure. So, so bro, let's, let, let's touch on leadership a little bit, man. You know, what makes someone a good leader? You know, what are the qualities that that leader should have? I think they should be able to listen. I think they should be able to think forward and they should be empathetic to the people around. And what I mean by that is that they have to listen. I was reading a book by Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. And it was talking mm. about Nelson Mandela and his father. He would always go with his father to the tribal meetings and yeah. he would watch his father literally say nothing throughout the whole meeting. And then at the end of the tribal meeting, then he would be able to capture what everyone said and be mm. able to create a clear picture, being able to hear the voices of everyone so that they feel included and valued and then come up with a clear plan. I think that is the embodiment of a leader, right? Somebody sense. that's able to listen, somebody that's empathetic. You have to feel for your people. If you're this cutthroat, you know, you may be a hell of a manager, you may be a hell of a performer or a boss, but you have mm. to be able to feel for the people's needs, aspirations, and wants so that you can be able to collectively put something together that, again, includes other people. And then the third thing is your ability to think, to think forward. If you don't have vision, yeah. you're not a leader. Seriously, I don't mm. truly believe it. And, and this is just my, my three things that I believe. I think you have to be able to, your team or the people around you only can go as far as the leader's vision will allow them to go. Mm. So if you can't see forward, then it's going to hurt your ability to get your team to also think forward. Makes and that's sense. why I think it's so important for leaders to have mentors and leaders to continue to pour into their cup so that you can continue to pour all of that into your team's cups as well. So can someone be taught to be a leader or do you have to be like born with it? I do honestly believe that certain people are born with leadership qualities, but mm. I also believe that leadership can be taught. Vision, I do not believe can be taught. Your ability to be emp you know, empathetic or you know, show empathy for people I believe that can be taught and your ability to listen to people. I believe that can be taught, but all three components, mm. I think it would be challenging because I do believe that just certain people do not have vision. And that means that they're not meant to be the leader. That's facts. Cause I remember I was in college my senior year, bro. And I was telling somebody, I was like, man, I'm trying to come out, make it 200,000. They was like, bro, who you think you is? Like, <laughs> uh, me? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. He was like, you know, I'll be good with just, you know, forty five thousand a year. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I'm not here at college to come out making forty five thousand. I'm trying to nah. think ways so I could, you know, bring in a big dollars, bro. So that's the truth. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the characteristics of a leader. Imagine that guy that said, I would only want to make 45, him leading people. And maybe the people that he's leading will get to 45, but then you have to think about it. What if I had the leader that could could have showed me how to make 200? Mm-hmm. What if I had the leader that could have showed me right after college I can make a million? What if I would have had the leader right after college? Because if you really think about it, Steve Jobs left college and he became a billionaire. Mark Zuckerberg left and became a billionaire. You know, Bill Gates left and became a billionaire. So what do we really, if we're able to move the goalposts forward, we're able to actually get to a further place in regards to who we're comparing ourselves to. And if a leader can really have a forward mind, like Alexander the Great, like he really wanted to conquer the world. Mm. So his armies (laughs) were willing to come with him to conquer the world, not Mm. just this little community. So when we think of Alex the, Alexander the Great or the Medici family or Hitler or all of these different people that we shame that were literally able to conquer so much, the, mm. that's leadership. Good or bad, it's still leadership. Good or bad, it's leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, one word that was really talked about heavily last year was value. So can you tell us, you know, tell my audience why it's so important to provide and bring value to everything you do? Before we even get to that, if you don't have any values internally, you can't bring value to the world, period. I don't care how good of a speaker you are, how much money you think you can teach people how to get. I believe that value is based upon character and integrity and Uh your ability to showcase your authenticity. And why that is so important to be able to continue to produce value is not just to show people that you're an authority and credible in your lane, but it's mm-hmm. also to show people the possibility of what they can create by using the different things that you struggled with or the strategies that helped you be successful. Mm. So, bro, let's let's take it back a little bit. So say you just graduated high school, say you just graduated college. What would you tell the younger Cal King that you know now that you didn't know back then? That's a great question, man. Manage your money. Manage your money more effectively. I got some. I, 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 can, I, can I give some game real quick? Yes, so, sir. Talk for, to us. For every transaction, I think the average, average person has like 40 to 80 transactions that come out of their account every month. I believe. I read that mm. statistic. I came up with a strategy that has really been able to like save my life. So yeah. for every transaction, you have to accompany that with a deposit. So mm-hmm. just think about this. So I, I went to the store, I spent $7. I went to go eat, I spent $12. I went to the movie and spent $100. Then I went to the arcade and spent another $60. Mm-hmm. Do you have a revenue stream that can get you that 70, that 12, that 50, that 100, and that 60 back? For every 40 to 80 transactions, do you have 40 to 80 deposits that come into your account every single month? Mm-hmm. Because every if we start thinking like that, it's like, all right, well, what can I create that can be priced at $7? What can I create that can be priced at $100? Mm. What can I create that can be priced at $1,500 for my rent or for my mortgage? What can I create that can be priced at $400 for my car payment or my car insurance? So now when we start thinking about that from a high school or college perspective, now it's like, all right, well, I wanna go shopping here, I wanna do this, I wanna drive this car and all these things, but now you say, what gift can I use mm. to be able to take care of my lifestyle? If jobs weren't hiring and going back to school wasn't an option, what gift can you use to take care of your lifestyle? So if I would have literally learned that years ago, I guarantee financially it would be a yeah. completely different story. 
So basically, you know, monetizing your genius. Monetizing your genius, yes. Yeah, I heard. I heard. I, one of my guests I interviewed said that, John. It never left my head. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> you have to be able to look at everything. Like I didn't manage money at all because I had a lot of money coming in, and I thought I had more than I really had. So now, mm. when you get into a jam, or when things get crazy, or when customers stop coming through your door, how are you able to continue to pivot? The difference mm. between now and then was that I didn't have the cash flow or the assets or the different the, the vision and my mm. ability to see things forward enough to be able to like prepare for a potential pandemic. You know, back to what you were saying, bro, it honestly sounds like it's simple, you know, mathematics. You know, once if you're subtracting things, you're going to have to find things to add it back in there. Exactly. Exactly. Like yesterday, it's funny, and this is a prime example. So mm. yesterday I spent $650 on like a whole bunch of stuff. We, I was taking people, we were buying drinks, then we went to dinner, and just all kinds, just a great day to celebrate, right? And then mm. I looked at my account and I was like, why did we spend all this money? And why was I the one paying for everybody? <laughs> like, why is it always Kyle, right? Yeah. So, interesting. So I woke up this morning to a $650 subscription payment by one of my clients. And I was like, ah, that's why I did it. <laughs> that's why I did it. Because we yeah. got it, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so it was, it was, but it was refreshing. And after, I, like, as I sit on this call, I was like, wow, I remember the days where you would go out in college and mm. you would turn up and then you would have a little bit too many drinks. And you would keep throwing them back, keep throwing them back. And then in the morning, you'd be like, oh, snap, I can't buy my textbook. Because yeah. you just spent you just spent $200 the night before. Mm. But now I've been I'm able to reverse engineer my mind for every single thing that comes out. I know I have something coming back in. And that's where that's the goal. That's where we need to be. Literally. That's where we need to be, those passive income streams. Literally. So that's definitely the advice I give myself. Man, I was on you when I was, like I said, when I was doing my research on you, bro, I was watching one of your lives and it was the top 10 keys to success. So give us uh, uh, some of them keys, man. Dr drop them keys. Oh, on. man. You, no, you, you, got, you got to drop all 10, but give us a little bit. Definitely. So the first thing is understand who you are internally. Mm. That's number one. And that wasn't the S. So that's going to be the first one moving forward. That's a good one, though. Shoot. Number two is develop relationships that embody who you want to be and not where you are. Number three is never forget where you came from and never forget where you're going. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All those are huge <laughs> keys to success. And, you know, especially that last one, you know, especially that last one, because I was telling one of my friends, I was like, bro, it feels like, I'm in a tunnel right now. It feels like I'm in the middle of a tunnel right now. Mm. Like I'm way further than I was when I started and I, I see where I'm going, but I'm not there yet. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's, that's huge. Can I, can I give you something with that statement? So I used to say that a lot. Mm. I don't want you to ever let the ideal look down on the real. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times in my life when I went through tough times, right? Because there was a yeah. period in my time where I was depressed and going through bad anxiety and just, you know, battle with self-worth and self-identity and all these different things because I felt like I had everything. I had money, cars, all these different things traveling around the world, but yeah. I didn't know who I was in myself, right? When I looked into the mirror. And what I realized through therapy is that I had this idea of who I wanted to be in my mind. I mm. had this idea of like, this is Kyle 10 years from now. 
This is married Kyle. This is like standing on stages in arenas Kyle. This yeah. is this Kyle that drives the Lambo Kyle, all these different things. But then what I've learned back then is that the ideal would look down on the real where Kyle was right now because mm -hmm. I'm not Lambo Kyle right then. I wasn't that person right then. I wasn't married then. So it was like it would look down and it would like shame the person that you are right now. So anybody yeah. listening to this right now, we understand, both of us understand that you have aspirations, but I want you to begin to celebrate your present because you are exactly where you need to be right now. And you deserve the moment that, you're, that you have right now because I guarantee that you are a hundred steps further than somebody else. You are a thousand steps further than probably somebody else. So we have to learn how to be grateful for where we are. We have to continue to stay committed to where we're going. And we yeah. have to continue to believe in the faith if we don't get there when we expect to get there. Yeah, and I think another thing that plays into that, bro, is the social media age that we're living That's in now. You know, definitely. we're we're seeing, you know, everybody else pull up in Lambos. We're seeing everybody else pulling up in Maseratis, you know, you know, Benz is the I8 you know vfw's and all that <laughs> so, we're, so we're like dang we, we we've been working this hard and, and we're still not there yet so i feel like you just have to you know like you said bro what was big what you said was appreciate where you are now mm -hmm. you know because even months before i'm sure you weren't you know where you are now so it's just you know like you said believing in that progression trusting the process so i really glad you gave that game because that's something that i'm dealing with personally right now so for sure, for sure. Just believe in it, man. Like, it's all good. Like, you may not be there yet, but you're going to get there. And there's no rush. Like, it's mm. not rushing yourself, man. Like, look, I'm going to tell everybody right now, like, I make very good money, but I still drive a Volvo. And you know why I drive? Now, I drive a brand new Volvo, so I'm not, like, I'm not <laughs> going to cap. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's no cap. So, and the reason yeah. why I drive a Volvo is because my mother, she works for the company. Like she's an mm. executive. So I've been afforded opportunities that why would I go out and spend a 750 or $1,000, $1,500 car payment to go drive a range or Benz or a Lambo? Like, yeah, we may have it to be able to make it happen. Cool. But yeah. why if I can spend $400 a month or $300 a month on a brand new vehicle every single year through a lease program? Yeah. So now I can take that additional money on a monthly basis. That's an additional $700 a month. You multiply that by 12, that's a real estate project in two years. Easily. That's kids' tuition. So it's just like, it doesn't make sense why some people want to show the flash. Mm -hmm. I, I would rather be able to secure my future than show the flash on social media any day. Secure the bag, keep the flash, baby. That's straight up. <laughs> Straight yes, sir. Up. Yes, sir. So I got one more question for you, boss, man. I'm going to read you two quotes, and I need you to tell me which quote is more accurate in your opinion. You ready? Cool. All right, bet, bet. So my first question, my first quote is, money can't buy happiness. And my second quote is, more money, more problems. Which one is more accurate in your opinion? Can I say neither? Yes, sir. Talk to us. Neither. I don't think either one because I... <laughs> I honestly feel like money does buy you happiness. I do, I really do. And I feel like the person that came up with that quote, I, I believe that maybe didn't have any money. Because I believe that when I'm able to go to Frankie's every single day with my son, to either take him bowling or to being able to see his face when he's able to see the arcade after a good day of school, or yeah. when I'm able to go to a restaurant and then show him a different experience because you know that's what I want him to see. Or when I'm able to hop on a flight the day before, 
and be able to take him around the world or put my parents on a flight and being able to fly them to me. If I'm able to go into a dealership and, you know, let, let's say I want to get some new tires or whatever, and I don't have to worry about it. The peace yeah. and the freedom in my mind that I don't have to be checking things or that I have it, that brings me some type of joy. If yeah. I'm able to, you know, on Valentine's Day or, you know, on Christmas or all these different holidays, buy my significant other or buy friends gifts or fly them different places and being able to experience the happiness with them, that brings me joy. So money right. brings me happiness, to be honest, because <laughs> when I was broke, I wasn't really happy. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I was happy internally. I was grateful. I love God, all of these different things. But I feel like having more and being able to experience more, I feel like, I don't know, maybe that's my perspective. Nah, I agree with you 100. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I agree and with then you talking about money, more money, more problems, I honestly feel like more money has gotten me less problems. And yeah. the, the reason why is because being able to generate more revenue has been able to help me put more systems in place to be able to secure my revenue. Mm. This is what I mean. When you don't have it, you want to get it. When you when you have it, you don't want to lose it. So yeah. I feel like me being able to have more, it's allowed me to put systems in place so that it continues to flow, right? Just mm. like I said, we spent 650, it came in the next day. So now that brought me happiness and now that didn't create a problem because I already created a solution for when the money comes in. Mm -hmm. So that's just my perspective. Makes 100% sense, bro. <laughs> because if you if you would have been on the opposite end and wouldn't have that 650 coming in, that would create some, you know, some unhappiness. Exactly, because now you're relooking at your decisions, you're relooking at your choices. You're not you're not able to really be content with that decision because you didn't have it, but you're now spending on something that you don't have. And but that is immaturity. I'm not mm. immature with my decisions. Like, yes, I could go get a Lambo, but why? I mm. could have spent 10,000 last night, but why? So if we put a purpose to our choice, then we're able to actually allow ourselves to check our character. And mm. what I mean by that, if we ask ourselves, why are we doing this or why aren't we doing that? And it makes sense on why not to do something or it makes sense on why to do something. And either we still don't listen to it and we still yeah. go against it. That's a character issue. So you need to check your character and not check the result of what the lack there of character brought you. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to bring you back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we got to bring you back on the show, yeah, boss. Whatever you need me, bro. I'm here. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I definitely appreciate your time, man. Thanks for joining us on FY Flutter Podcast. Please let the audience know where to reach you. Any final words? Go ahead, boss. For sure, for sure. So where you can reach me on Instagram, go to Kyle S. King. Kyle S. King. This is my final words. Y'all definitely go support FYI Fly. Y'all definitely go support FYI Fly. It's not about me giving a message. It's not about me giving another speech. It's about being able to shed love, pour in, and being able to support another solid up-and-coming podcast. Not even just up-and-coming. It's already declared. It's already here. So definitely go support FYI Fly podcast because they about to run it up and they about yes, to change sir. a lot of lives. Big facts, big facts. Like I said, bro, we really appreciate you dropping the, dropping time, coming in, chat with us, bro. You dropped a lot of gems, bro. So I know, I know, I'm gonna go through when I edit this joint, write my little notes down, so I'm gonna be locked in. I hear you, bro. So look, if you need anything, I'm here, brother. Let's keep rocking out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now we're gonna take it back to Remy G and me for one of our favorite segments called "Did You Know." Let's go. 
Welcome back, welcome back to FY Fly the Podcast. And y'all already know what time it is, or maybe y'all don't. But me and Mr. Make a Play finna let y'all know. Did you know? The global BPM market is expected to be worth $14 billion by 2021. Did you know? 96% of companies had some kind of documented process in 2015. Did you know? Taco Bell went from losing money to being worth $2 billion in 30 years by re-engineering their core processes. Did you know? 78% of companies surveyed by Culture Next in 2017 have a documented employee engagement strategy. Did you know? 46% of companies see business processes primarily as a way of reducing costs. Did you know? 30 deaths, $720 billion, and an accountable amount of environmental damage was caused by a chain of six preventable human errors in the Chernobyl disaster. In conclusion, to wrap it all up for my FYI fly folks, whether your business is big or small, if you don't have SAPs, your business will fall. One common theme I've noticed about a lot of the topics we talk about on the show is that we need to have a plan, and SAPs are no different. Having systems and processes in place will keep your business running effectively and efficiently for a long time. You just have to take the time beforehand to do the dirty work and properly set up those SAPs. Facts. So to recap what we learned today, we know that systems are basically a bunch of processes working together to accomplish one goal, and that processes are a set of activities in place to accomplish a common goal. We also can't forget how important it is to track our data so we can know what's working and what's not. Yes, sir. So five takeaway items, because y'all know we can't leave y'all without them. Whether you have a business or not, analyze some of the systems and processes you have in place. What activities are you doing on a daily to accomplish your goals? How can you improve those activities to get to your goal even faster? Even if we're not the CEO of a company, we are the CEO of our lives, which means we must create everyday opportunities for ourselves and others. Hey, now I see what you did there, CEO. You ain't slick. Huh, quick little shameless plug, never hurt nobody. But definitely check out my clothing line, HRT's link will be available in the show notes. But besides that, that's it from the FYI Fly Guys. So I'm gonna need y'all to stay safe. Stay invested. And stay fly. Thank you all for listening to FYI Fly the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week for more financial literacy insights with our special guest. Please visit our website, social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at FYI Fly Podcast. That's FYI FLI Podcast. See y'all next week and stay fly. But don't y'all go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned as each week here on FYI Fly, we like to give an independent artist a place to shine and gain some exposure. And this week we have Big Heart by Jay Garcia. Let's go. I just wanna ball till I fall. I just wanna ball till I fall. Let a youngin' know. I just wanna ball till I fall. I just wanna ball till I fall. Let a nigga know.